Hi everyone, I'm Dan Harding, and welcome back to the Power Murder Yacht Podcast. We're here in Essex today with an all-star cast and crew. Friend Charlie Levine, Executive Editor, Bill Sisson, Editorial Director, and drumroll please, making his Power Murder Yacht Podcast debut, Marine Group President Gary DeSanctis. Guys, what's happening? Good morning, Good morning Dan. Dan. Hey, thanks. Good morning. Nice to see you, everybody. Got salty here too, don't forget. But uh, we have a bit of a serious topic, hopefully... Uh, Serious topic that we have a little fun with is boating safety. We were putting this together during boating safety week. All the titles, passenger maker, sounding, sail, we're putting out content, some of our best content over the years about boating safety, really hopefully aiming at some of these newer boaters that can give them advice to enjoy their time on the water a little bit more and do so safely. I thought we'd maybe kick things off with you, Bill. I was uh, having a, a coffee just talking about boating safety not too long ago, and I kind of was sharing some of my concerns having a, having a young kid on the dock these days that's going to be running around, and you, uh, I guess, attempted to put my mind at ease with a very dark story, but it was one that uh, it stuck with me and I think could serve readers well, if you don't mind retelling that. No, I don't mind retelling it. And, you know, the reason I told it, it is it stuck with me as well, and it's probably 15 to 20 years old. It's a story I covered writing for soundings, and it just it speaks to the need to be prepared for the fact that, you know, anything can happen in the water, and the more you're able to see through a situation and look into what might happen if you do this or that or the other thing, but probably the safer you are mm-hmm. going to be. So this story took place in Florida, a father and his son were out on their center council. I think the boat was probably 20, 22 feet, relatively small, single outboard engine. And they'd anchored, it stopped, and they might have been swimming, I can't recall, but he'd anchored. It was time, they spent whatever amount of time they wanted to, it was time to leave, they couldn't get the anchor up. So anchor is stuck on the bottom. I think the water was fairly clear. I couldn't. I can't remember if they could. If they knew they were in, in, around some rocks, but anyway, the son was going to go overboard and try to free the anchor as the father pulled the center council up to take tension off the line. Mm-hmm. So reasonable, I suppose, you know. But you'd have to, you know, anytime you're talking uh, working with lines underwater, one thing you want to do is get caught in them. Anyway, the the father. Puts the boat into gear, the sun goes over, dives down. The sun was a good swimmer by all accounts. Pulls up, moves the center console up. There's a loop, you know, a loop obviously develops in the line as he takes the tension off it. And then he, thinking that it's probably free, he puts it in neutral, drifts back. Well, any of the loop that was created caught the sun, wrapped around his arm or his leg, I can't remember which. And then, you know, when the sun didn't surface after probably a couple of minutes, you know, the father, you know, looked at some point he pulled up again, could look down and see the son was, was trapped on the bottom, caught in the line and drowned. That is a very sad story. Brutal. Yeah. It's not something you would anticipate, but being on the water, you have to anticipate all those things, especially when you're, you know, working with children, you have them in the water. Maybe they, you know, he didn't maybe realize that, you know, when he saw this loop, that it was something to get off him, that you want to be trapped and, a couple of things stand out is one, you tried to assuage my fear with this truly heart wrenching story. It was like, wow, Jesus, Jesus, Bill, thanks a lot. I'm going to get an RV now. But really what stuck with me was the power of the story and, and how heartbreaking it is. But also what sticks with me is how plausible it happens. I mean, you know, people dive for anchors all the time. It doesn't seem like a big deal. But in, right. in retrospect, you know, next time you get the anchor stuck, 
let it go, man. Cut it, cut it free. What, what does an anchor cost in the, in the scheme of things? Um, it was like something Charlie, you said, it's like when things go bad, they, they go bad fast. Yes. I mean, if you're taking on water or a fire breaks out, you don't have much time. Uh, there was a video that went around years ago of a 65 foot sport fish that caught on fire and sunk in three minutes. So I think it's always a good idea if you have guests on your boat to just have a quick little safety meeting, point out where the life jackets are, point out where your fire extinguishers are. You know, if they're not familiar with the VHF radio, show them how they, you know, can hail the Coast Guard, God forbid. Um, Just those quick things. And, And a lot of people don't do that. A lot of times you get on a charter boat and, you know, they don't do that. It's just a great practice, and, and, you know, it only takes a couple minutes, and you don't need to be morbid or scary about it. Just, uh, you know, have a plan and, and make sure everyone's aware of where all the safety equipment is. No, I, I, that's, well, that, that's a great point, and I think for the non-boaters, I think, I think they actually find interest in that, right? It's, it's, you know, showing them how the VHF works, how the safety equipment works. I, I think there's a level of interest there. Gary, one of the things I wanted to ask you, you know, you do a ton of boating personally and, and professionally, but you also have kind of the most interesting schedule where, you know, you, you do a lot of travel for business and pleasure. So I imagine you're somebody who has to balance the itinerary and, and the agenda because you just have like this crazy schedule. Do you ever find that, that that's kind of like a dangerous thing on the water? I do. And to address one thing Charlie said, um, that comes to mind, we were on a charter fishing trip out of Key West, and it started getting way too rough. And we were on what we thought a 40-foot boat, and we're going, and it's getting rougher and rougher. And I had one of my guests actually call home to say goodbye to his mother. And I'm, like, asking the captain, where's the life raft? Oh, well, I need a life raft if I'm 42. So I tell everybody I'm 40. So I don't have a life raft. I'm like, ah, uh, that's not a good thing to be telling me at this particular moment of this trip. Yeah. Um, we got through it. You know, I'm saying, explaining to the guests that cooler floats, use the cooler, life jackets on everybody. Uh, but it was chaotic initially. Things calmed down. Um, yeah, you know, the old adage of get home is is a horrible, terrible thing because with the schedules we all keep today, and we have obligations to the spouse, to the children, to our employers. Uh, it, it's really easy to just say, okay, I'm going. And that is the absolute worst thing you could do if you know you're heading into something horrible. Um, sit back, stay. If you have to stay a day, if you have to stay two days, you do it. Um, I was up in Nantucket years ago, um, had a 40-foot boat, and went to leave, and the fog was horrendous. I turned around, came back, tied up. Not going anywhere. Yeah. Next day, same thing. It's just not worth the situation you're putting yourself into. You can have radar. You can have all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to be cautious, overly cautious, because, yes, I have all those instruments. Somebody may not. I may not see their boat on a radar. Mm. And all of a sudden, we have a collision in the middle of a fog bank. You stay, let it go, and make sure you're safe. If you have to leave the boat and come back and get it, do that. Mm-hmm rather than risk your life or your crew, your, your crew's guest's life. It's just not worth it. Yeah, especially in the in the days now with, with Uber, right? You know, if, if you desperately need to get back to work, go ahead, go to work. Have the family take the take, take an Uber home. It's uh, exactly. always a, a better solution. Yep. Nice. Well, you know, I think 
That's a that's a great point, and it leads into for many people what the most scariest scenario on a boat is a man overboard scenario. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about um, before the podcast about kill switches and stuff, but what uh, what what advice do any of you guys have for kind of avoiding that dreaded scenario? You know, they happen in so many different ways, but you know that that old adage you know one hand for your boat one hand for yourself is always a good one so just mm-hmm. you know when you move around a boat and if it's choppy and rolling and pitching and yawing you know just you know make sure you're holding on to something you know tightly and and scooching down low if it to, to improve your balance but uh, just don't go out of the boat if you have to you know and i also think communication with your crew members is extremely important in rough weather um we had a situation where i was up on a bridge my partner went down to get some food, come back up. We came off a nasty wave, boat shuddered. I didn't know if he went overboard. He didn't pop up for, for a few moments, and it wasn't in a good position for me to go in neutral and go looking for him. And I'm trying to communicate with him. It turns out that the boat shuddered enough where the door was jammed, he couldn't get out of the cabin. So I didn't know where he was. We had to reset, find out everybody's safe, and go from there. Charlie, you uh, you shared a, a scary scenario when you're in your formative boating career. <laughs> yeah, when I was maybe 10 or 11 years old, we had a 40-foot sport fish, and we used to do a lot of shark fishing back in the day, so we would keep a basket in the bow pulpit for the harpoon, and there was a bunch of line and a big poly ball. And I don't remember where we were going. I think we were coming home from block or something, and there was a decent swell, and the polyball bounced out of the basket and was behind the boat so my dad was afraid it would get um you know in the props so he pulled the throttles way back to like idle speed and said oh I'm gonna go up on the bow and pull that in we didn't really think much about it there was a swell and you know he didn't put on a life jacket didn't tie on a safety line he just you know went out there and I was looking at him and not really watching the waves, and I stuffed the bow. So the whole bow went underwater, and when it came up, he was gone. And, you know, I immediately started to panic, which you, they say, don't panic, but, you know, you can't help <laughs> but not panic. Um, and I was looking around, and, you know, no dad, and, and turns out the water actually pushed him against the front of the house on the boat, and he kind of rolled to the to the gunnel and hung onto the bow rail and then I literally had the VHF mic in my hand was about you know I was crying I was a young kid I was about to call the coast guard and luckily then he just came up the flybridge ladder but and the first thing he said was don't ever let me do that without putting on a life jacket you know I mean so I think a lot of times you just don't think about things um, or you're focused on one problem and not really anticipating another problem but um, there's so much great safety gear out there. I mean, you should have an EPIRB. Gary, you were telling us about how you kind of keep all your safety gear on a, on a PFD, and I think that's really smart. Yeah, you know, instead of carrying a ditch bag, when I'm on a boat by myself, I do have uh, a PFD, and on that I have clipped to it a knife, a flashlight, uh, a radio, and an EPIRB. So if I do go over by chance, I have a good chance of surviving if I'm out there by myself. Um, and I do actually put it on when I'm out of the wheelhouse on a boat by myself because you just don't know when something's going to happen. And, you know, if you prepare for the worst, if it doesn't happen, that's okay. That's okay. If you're not prepared <laughs> and it does happen, you could die. 
And, you know, I'm not ready for that yet. No. <laughs> no, that's uh, good advice. One last thing on the man overboard thing is I don't know that people do many man overboard drills anymore, but it's that was something I learned kind of early on. Me and my wife, Karen, when we had our first boat, it was a, it was a sailboat, and we're cruising around, it was – and at one point, I just took one of the throwable PFDs and, and chucked it into the water. I said, okay, that's me. Go save me. She's a little flustered, grabs the wheel. And actually, I think she even put the throttle up a little bit. Long story short, clear cut runs over, runs over the throwable. And uh, we laughed, but it was like, you know what? This is, there's a lesson here. This is, uh, if, if I went over and, you know, Karen's still learning the boat, we're going to be in some trouble. So we, you know, showed her do some figure eights and come up alongside. And that was something that I think so few people do these days that uh, is still worth it. But one of, one of the things there is that um, I help pilot the uh, rescue boat in my village. And we do a three-man crew for that exact reason. Uh, it really takes two people could operate the boat um, for a fire situation. It's a fire boat. Um, but for a rescue situation... We always try to have a third person. In case one of us does go over, you then have the pilot driving the boat and crew member fishing the unfortunate person out of the water. And that is a steadfast rule we have. You have three people on that boat for that reason. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, when you're picking somebody up, you know, you always have to be cognizant of the wind and the, and the current. So if you're going to approach somebody mm -hmm. that's in the water, you know, you come up into the current, typically not get... Up current over there and then drift over the top of them. But just little things like that, which can cause a real kind of a bad show out there when someone approaches it wrong. And the fellow I fished with for years, we used to talk sometimes to what would happen, you know. We'd go over a scenario, what would happen if the boat sank? You know, what, what would we do first? You know, we'd kick our sea boots off and get out of our bibs and have the life jacket on. And could we, could we make it, you know, until morning uh, if we're fishing at night until the early morning fishermen would come up and, you know, you know, maybe we could swim to a buoy. So you kind of have to know where you are and where the closest buoy is and which way the current's going. And maybe you, are, you drift, you drift to the east with the current and then you just have to swim maybe a hundred yards, you know, to the, um, to the south to get to the buoy. But it'd be just one of those things that could happen and you just would talk about, what would you take off first? Get the sea boots off and then get the bibs off and then, you know, Floating your back, that kind of thing. You know, that, that leads to another situation where if you're not prepared, you, you face imminent demise, is that if you don't have basic first aid skills, yeah. um, again, just CPR. CPR is a class you take. It's a few hours. Mm -hmm. We did it as a group in our office a couple of years ago. It's good to refresh it. Um, but if you don't have that knowledge, you could very easily lose somebody. And, you know, funny was I ran over a lobster pot. My daughter did. She was two. She was driving the boat. Uh, <laughs> more, more on that later. <laughs> <laughs> and my buddy, big, tough New York City fireman's on a boat. And I said, hey, Mike, do me a favor. Jump under there and uh, cut that out for me. He goes, no. And it was rough. We were out in the ocean. And he said, uh, I'll tell you what. Do you have the ability to get me out and give me CPR if something happens to me? I said, no, I don't know CPR. And I didn't at the time. He goes, well, I do, so you go. Um, I took CPR right after that. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's Smart just guy. being prepared, teaching the people, yes, Channel 16 on the radio, how to use it, how to broadcast correctly. Don't freak out. Hit the, you know, if you have to give them coordinates, hit the MOB button on your GPS. Just read those numbers. It's very simple. Help will come. 
They don't know how to do that. I've trained my wife to do it, and I think she took the message a little too far, and she's going to wait till I stop flopping before she flops. <laughs> but, you know, she knows how to do it to, to recover me. Sure. Well, I think one of the things I want to I pivot to now is the most popular, and it should be the most common sense way to keep you and your family and your crew safe, and that's the topic of life jackets. You know, Charlie, I know, you know, you did a great story with the qualified captain, and I know you're watching a lot of these uh, – hole over inlet videos that, you know, we like to kind of watch while cringing. Um, serious lack of life jackets there. I mean, do you think those videos are like reinforcing a bad habit or, or what? That's a great question. I, I wonder sometimes if people run out and act like idiots just to get on these, you know, TikTok viral pages or something, but you see the people riding on the bow just getting stuffed and thrown off. So it's so dangerous. It's dangerous. It's not smart. And a lot of people, yeah, no one's really wearing life jackets. Um, yeah, there's just basic smarts here. And, and actually, the guys who run the qualified captain are all about safety. And they're trying to push, like, yeah, here's a, someone being stupid or maybe just a lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Don't be that guy <laughs> if, right. or girl. Like, it's, not so. worth, it's not worth the views if someone gets hurt. No, and, you know, having kids on board is a lot of fun. It, it changes the whole day. You know, they appreciate seeing a dolphin or something more than you'll ever realize. And they may not want to wear a, a life jacket, you know. Oh, it's too big. It's choking. It's like, no, we got to wear it. Get comfortable. Make sure you have one that fits their frame and their size. Um, and make sure they wear it all day. And one rule on, you know, I have a small boat and there's really no safety rails. So I'm very cautious with my kids. And sometimes they get scared if there's a little bit of chop, you know, and I'll look and I see their, that look on their face. And it's like, if they're not having fun, go home. You know, it's not worth it. Don't ruin the day for them because then they won't want to go back. No, I, th I think that's really good advice and something I really want to take to heart as uh, especially, you know, cruising with Connor, he's going to be two years old and, Definitely, you know, once it's when they get turned off to it, they get, I feel like they can get turned off like a like a light. But you know, I want to talk a little bit more about life jackets, kind of belabor the point. And actually, Charlie gave Connor his first life jacket, so we, we appreciate that. But, um, you know, me down. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's just like my boat. But uh, what's getting really popular is the, the style of life jacket that you wear, Gary, is the uh, the suspenders, the, the inflatable ones. And for years, you know, my wife, Karen, again, wasn't maybe the most confident swimmer in the world, so she religiously wore hers for years until one day she's on a stand-up paddleboard and just kind of toppled over. She came up smiling and laughing, no problem, except I wasn't smiling or laughing because I realized jacket didn't go off. Look into the thing. turns out this life jacket needed to be rearmed at least once a year, and, you know, I probably hadn't done it in a couple of years. I, I, was, I was careless and, and didn't realize how much attention needed to be paid to the different components of, of the jacket. So then I was like, you know what? I was like, how much attention boaters pay to the boats we buy? We read a million reviews, and we're thankful for that at Power Mordiat. You know, we test our gear. We get a million opinions. When it comes to life jackets, for some reason, it's something like we never think to test. You never, like, do you ever just jump in with one of those life jackets to see? So... We had this issue, the life jacket didn't go off. I was like, you know what? Let's test this thing. So rearmed the, the life jacket. Karen jumps in, not too excited about the, me using her for a gear test. But, you know, and it was really tight around. And, she, you know, she's 
pretty she's pretty small and it was it was kind of so tight when it inflated it was almost choking her out so i kind of had to explain how to get some of the air out things like that uh long story short it was such a bit of a debacle we went back to west marine got her a comfortable breathable foam life jacket with foam in the front and back a little bulkier a little hotter but gives her peace of mind and gives her the confidence and she wears it and uh that was a real learning experience. It's like, especially if you have kids, yeah. you know, put, right? put them in the pool, like see how it fits. It's a great idea. And, you know, don't worry about like, oh, I'm going to look stupid or it doesn't look cool. It's like <laughs> being alive is pretty cool. So <laughs> wear that thing and, and make sure you're comfortable with it. You should really, you know, if you, if you ever talk to anybody who's spent overnight in a life jacket and it's, it's not a particularly good life jacket, I mean, they're usually, you know, they'll, They'll go out and buy another life jacket that's more comfortable because nothing worse than just, you know, you're, you're happy to be alive, but they're, they're chafed, they're cut, they're sore, it doesn't float them high enough, and the waves are going over their heads and whatnot. So if you, you know, worst case scenario, you're going to spend a little bit of time in one. You want to have one that floats you high enough and so you can turn around and keep your back to the waves. So, you, you know, you can drown in a life jacket if it's not fitted properly. And, and also the... You know, the rescue swimmers and Coast Guard people, they're trained to grab the life jacket when they're pulling you in the boat. So if it's way too big, you're not doing yourself any favors. You know, one thing I do if I'm going offshore, I always have a, I'll call it my offshore kit, and everybody on that boat has a Mae West life jacket type life jacket available to them. You know, and it, it would be silly if you had three out of five people. Well, you get to choose. Um, so, yeah, I make sure that if, if you're going into... You know, if I'm more than a few miles off, I always make sure that people have that available to them. I know I'm turning into uh, a full-fledged dad because my dad used to always make make the joke when he had guests aboard. He would always show where the life jackets are and the safety equipment. And he'd be like, oh, there's the, the big one with the whistles and the strobes. That's mine. You know, you <laughs> Yours are the other ones, the orange sponge ones. And, man, those those things that we just say, those, those stink. Those are those are good for Coast Guard regulations and, you know, getting passing your, your survey, I suppose. But – you don't want to spend much time in one of those. That's that's more for body recovery than survival, in my opinion. A little harsh, but oh, wow, <laughs> that's a, I, if you Let's ever right there. Do I, you ever try swimming in one of those, they're they're brutal. Right. Any other guys? Any other you know hard won words of wisdom? Yeah, I, I would say, and this is through experience. Uh, being in this industry, we get to do some really cool and interesting things, and to be able to take a large boat at the time when I was just starting out, uh, not really knowing what I was doing. It's over 20 years ago and setting off. I set off without a clear path. I just got in a boat and figured I was coming down from Boston to New York. I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll follow the coast. I'll be fine. Uh, no instrumentation whatsoever on a boat. Um, I taught myself how to read the charts the night before. I was a coastal lover for, for many, many years you know, my 15 and 16 foot boats, never to be in something with twin diesels. And, you know, so it was, it was quite a trip and I learned the hard way. You better make sure you are exactly where you know you are at all times. And I learned a lesson by hitting a rock. Um, and it was traumatic to me as a, I'll call myself a new boater at that time, new big boater at that time. But it was interesting. I was having dinner years later. I didn't tell anybody except the person who owned the boat. I ate it. I paid for everything myself. Um, didn't let anybody at the magazine know. Uh, I was that embarrassed. And I was having uh, dinner with a uh, boat manufacturer down south, down in Florida. 
And she is one of the best handlers of boats I've ever encountered in my life. So I fessed up over dinner that I hit something. And she said, well, Gary, she had a southern accent, so I won't try that. <laughs> but she said, Gary, anybody who hasn't hit something is either not a boater or they're a liar. Because everybody hits something. And that, you know, kind of vindicated me 10 years later. Uh, and when I spoke to the manufacturer years later, I said, what were you thinking giving me the boat? He said, well, I knew you didn't have a lot of experience, and I thought a sunk boat was a sold boat. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding me. He, he had every faith, all the faith that I was going to sink that boat on him. So there you go. Know where you are. You might also want, you know, we talked about float plans. So not just know where you are, make sure someone else knows where you are or where you're supposed to be. And um, leave those notes. Say, hey, if I'm not home by this time, you know, call me, call this person. Um, get all that outlined and, and out there. I mean, to take that one step further, everything goes wrong. And when it goes wrong, it goes wrong fast. I've always, again, if I'm going on a longer trip, I always put my waypoints down on a piece of paper. And when I hit that waypoint, I write my speed and the time so that if I do lose all my instrumentation, I can still in dead reckon and know where I am. So if I need to get help, I can call help. And, again, it works in a flow plan as well. So I do that as well. You know, so another question, and this is a little, uh, a little self-centered, but you, you never really think about boating safety as much as when you when you have, you're cruising with your family. It's been totally different from my early days with friends and stuff. But uh, any other advice? You know, you guys, I'm um, looking around the table. You know, got parents. You guys, you guys all boated and cruised with your with your kids. Any other advice for being safe with children on board? We used to swim in some spots when my kids were younger. With a little bit of current, so we'd always trail long line off the back of the boat and you know it was it wasn't so much current that the adults couldn't swim against but the kids when they got tired would have trouble so they could hang on to the line they could just pull them back in as they drifted with their life jackets behind the boat that would be the as far as they were allowed to really go they'd have to grab onto the line just to have something behind them I like that so you wouldn't have to go haul them in or, or yeah. worry about it we did the same loading line absolutely I, I always believe and I was very strict on tushies and seats. Everybody had to sit while the boat was underway. Yeah. Uh, I don't want people moving around. I don't want the kids, particularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adults, you know, they're going to hold on. They're going to be a little bit more intelligent. Kids are not fearless. Always. Not always. Well, <laughs> the children are fearless, and adults might be not so smart. But <laughs> uh, they had to sit. And when I was docking, everybody in the cabin and quiet so that we can concentrate and communicate without kids getting all excited and stuff like that. And, and you know, for that line behind the boat, I just remember we used to tie a, f a flotation cushion to it, you know. To so the, en to the end. But yeah. It's been a while since I've done it, but that would help so they could see it. Yeah, we do that too with like a fender or something, tie it on and let them hang on to it. Um, but yeah, just make sure everyone, you know, the big one too, even with kids is like the weather and sun exposure and, you know, making sure everyone drinks water. I live in Florida where it's, you know, hotter than the sun some days and it's all bouncing off the fiberglass in your face. Um, so, yeah, keep an eye on the weather. Know how to <laughs> make a turn, you know, a squall comes up or just be aware. Watch the horizon. I mean, do we want to talk about drinking? Don't drink too much. Don't drink if you're driving. Yeah. One, uh, you know, one last piece of children's safety is uh, a piece of advice, Gary, I got from you last year when I when I got the the Bertram was you like where where is Connor going to stay when the boats the boats underway and 
And your advice to he could sit in the car seat but never have them strapped in was something that will will always stay with me and something that I think is worth passing along as well. No, I you know, my kids were on a boat, and it was a 15-foot Starcraft I had. And my first – my daughter was born in May. She was on a boat in June. My son was born in September. He was on a boat in October. Um, we boat, we're boating family. They grew up doing it, but – it wasn't anything anybody told me. It was something I observed saying, wait a minute, if this car seat for some reason falls off this boat, that kid is sinking like an anchor to the bottom. Yeah. And that is a no-no. Um, so never, I never strapped them in. And then we were talking before about that. It's also strollers as well. Now, you don't want your kids squirming out of the stroller and, and falling in the water. But if by chance you trip and that stroller goes in and they're strapped in and there's current, they're gone. I'm sorry to say they're gone, and we don't want our kids gone. So let's do everything we can to keep them safe. No, that's that's great advice, and there's uh, a little pontoon boat that runs between the mainland and Essex and Essex Island Marina, and I remember one time going over with Connor in the stroller, and they're like, hey, you know, you mind taking the kid out? It was It's all of a six-second pontoon boat ride, and I remember being so impressed by that. I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? That's that's really smart for, for the reasons you just mentioned. So great advice. With kids and, and kids' friends in particular that weren't used to the boat, I just never left a key in the ignition when we were anchor up swimming or picnicking or in shallow water just because I always just, you know, I was just afraid one of those kids that didn't know any better would turn the key and, you know, not what you'd want to have happen. That was a good one. And, Gary, you mentioned something about the being careful of the uh, generator fumes too. Yeah, that's something, fortunately, I've never experienced, but I've read enough about it, and when you read about it, it's, because you're reading, a, there, there was tragedy involved. And depending on what the outtake on the exhaust on the generator is, um, it can come up underneath the swim platform. And kids are swimming back there. They're playing. They're swimming. No one's paying attention to that. Uh, you know, you always have a spotter on a boat. And I always have a spotter on a boat. If there's kids in the water, there's always somebody making sure they're, they're the lifeguard. Yeah. But if you're breathing in carbon monoxide and all of a sudden you, you start getting affected by it, you just – lose consciousness, and slip under the water. It's adults, too, by the way. It's not just kids. Right. So, you know, carbon monoxide is a horrible thing. It's odorless, tasteless. You start breathing it in, you're not going to know until it's too late, and then you're gone. So, again, just be cognizant of where the exhaust is, and if it is anywhere back of the boat, realize that it could come up under the boat and get trapped. So just be aware. Awareness is everything. If everything we're talking about, it's just being aware. Let's say aware, like another common theme, it's, it's awareness and then it's, it's forethought, right? So being a safe boater doesn't happen on accident, just like, you know, accident. most accidents are preventable. A lot of this stuff comes with strategy, comes with, you know, the kind of preparation you should do before going down to the boat. You, know, you see so many people, they're in, a, they're in a rush, you got the dock cart, the kids, the dog, you're running around, and um, that's, I think that's when the mistakes happen. So just, like I said, being a safe boater doesn't happen on accident. Hopefully you guys found some of this advice helpful. If you did find anything helpful and you have a friend that's a new boater and you think would find some value in this, please do us a favor, share it out. We're going to continue to try to promote as much safety-oriented content for new and seasoned boaters alike in all our various publications. Stay safe out there, guys. And we'll, uh, guys, let's get our life jackets and head out on the water. Happy boating. Thanks. All right, let's do it. Thank you for listening to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and leave us a review or rating. Or you can share us with your friends on social media or on the VHF. Anywhere you spread the word means a lot to us. 
Thanks again, and until next time, we'll see you on the water.